G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. 15 minutes with HealGen COVID rapid antigen tests from Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. Rise up, because it's time to rip into some sport. Lots going on around the world. Before then, I've got to welcome in the boys. Lads are back. Woo, Louis Herman, what? Tony Kent, they're up and about up in the shoe. I can't wait to have a chat to you, lads. Woo, it's good to have you home, particularly because we've got a lot of punting to talk about, because I had a horrible weekend. I've got a hiding. Yeah, well, Kimpy came in on Friday on the show and he tipped out a few. He got a hiding too. Ah, we'll have a chat about that later. Uh, we've got some good, good guests coming on the show today. Well, today we'll chat, with, uh, chat to former NZ Whitefern and now part of the SNZ commentary team, Emily Drum, about today's crucial match against Bangladesh live here on SNZ at 11 a.m. this morning. So we'll chat to Emily Drum. Must win. They lost their first one against West Indies. In the dying moments, and uh, we'll have a chat to Emily Drum about that this morning. And then, well, I love repeating myself every Monday. Mate, it was tough on the weekend on the punt. Couldn't pick my nose. Massive upset at the Vodafone Derby on Saturday with Sullivan Scott trained horse Asterix paying 46 bucks, taking it out in emphatic style. Lance will come on to chat about his back-to-back wins in the Derby this morning, and then... After that, we're going to talk about the one. I still can't quite, still quite raw, really. Still quite surreal and shocked about the news and passing of the great Shane Keith Warne. It's still quite raw. But the last hour of the show, would love to dedicate and celebrate Warney's life. Uh, we've got a few of his fellow colleagues and, and cricket mates coming on the show. We've got Craig Macca McMillan. He'll join us and share some some messages and, and stories about the great warning. Everyone has their own particular story about when they met Warnie and, and the big influence and the big kind of um, yeah, you know, impact that they had on, on their lives. So we'll have Craig McMillan and we've got a little message from our, our good skip, Baz McCullum. Um, but yeah, if you've got any stories or any memories of the great Shane Keith Warne, 708 wickets. And I was going through all of his uh, big moments last night and well, 708 of them. Every moment, he uh, he's had many, many of them on the cricket field. So uh, yeah, we want to celebrate his life. So rest in peace, the king. And just seen in the news that they're going to have a state funeral for the great Shane Warne. The main this uh, Southern Stand at MCG will be renamed the SK Warne Stand too. So fitting for such a champion in the great game of cricket. And then to end the show, we've got to remember, Louis leaving us already. He's not quite finished his holiday, but this morning he's going to go to a Caraca sales. The last two hours of the show, St. Louis will be crossing it from the show, so me and Kempi will just keep soldiering throughout the morning. But that is our show. Make sure you give us a text on the Tempur bedpost text machine, double eight double three. 
anytime. We'd love to hear from you, from you or call us on the Kenatai phone line 0800-150-811. That's enough for my voice. I want to hear the lads out there in AK. Morning, Emma, Joe, Kez, and well, got to hear from Kempe. Morena, Kempe. Oh, morena, Izzy, and happy to be here, mate. You're right about Louis. He's, he looks like he's been sitting out in the sun too long, mate. He's come back from that um, <laughs> North, Canterbury, how to work. North, Cam- North Canterbury full of beetroot, he looks like he's been. Izzy, 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 Izzy can, you, can, you teach, can you teach me how to do mahi? Because now Kempe's here. He doesn't work. He just swans around. <laughs> so I, it's bad for my working culture around Kempe. Yeah, mate, but now we're I'm looking forward to it. I started to think, I was like, oh, that studio light's still off at 5.52. Where are the lads? Come on, boys. Louis usually in there at 5.31. Is that right? You know, your boys are... Is that right? I handball <laughs> it over to Joe, Joey the Rat for one morning, and he, <laughs> and he, hasn't, he hasn't woken you up at 8 to, eight to 6. Me and Kim was yarning, mate. We're having a good time. Yeah, feel sorry for the rat. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. <laughs> <laughs> How you been anyway? How was your holiday, Louis? Oh, so a good break, mate. It was awesome, is he? It was, um, and, and you know, like everyone, yeah, conventionally you take your holidays during Christmas, New Year's, right? We ploughed through, and I knew I did it just because I was like, I'm going to unwind in February, just hang in there. But towards the end there, I was getting a little bit ratty, and just getting away refreshes you, recharges you. I'm sure everybody would know what it's like when you take a bit of time off work, and I'm rearing to go because Super Rugby, NRL, AFL, uh, this is this Mike. We still going? Yeah. Um. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, everything. It's about to. We're about to hook in. We've got so much coming up for the next few months. So I'm recharged and ready to go. As he said, it was it was unreal to get away. What, and and what how times you wake up? Oh, on holiday. Your, what times you wake up most days? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Today would have been a shock. Um. Like yeah, like between anywhere between seven thirty and nine, like just so <laughs> so good. You know, you know, Izzy, you know, Louis one of those old farm. Yeah. Like he's in, he he's come, you know, reincarnated. He used to be an old farmer. Oh. You know, even the way that you know, you look at him, he's got this face <laughs> of a sixteen-year-old, but really, he's about sixty. <laughs> he sit, he yeah, sits yeah, at home with a, he sits at home with his slippers and pipe, mate. I'm telling you. <laughs> Yeah, spot on. What about you, Kim? Bro, good to have you on the show. And I know you, you had a, a great couple of months over summer, but what have you been up to, mate? Oh, mate, I wake up. Uh, I wake up the other morning. I, I thought I was. I thought I was dreaming when I read about Shane Warne passing away. It was it was yeah. a pretty sad time, you know. Uh, I got I got to play it in uh, in England at Headingley, um, which is a famous cricket ground, and got to see Warney play there. Um, I, I think once I got to see him play there, along with a number of other great cricketers in the Pakistan side and the English side. Um, but he always sh- sort of struck me as a go- like just you know one of those lads that you you'd really wanted to have a beer with. Um, oh, yeah. And I've been just reading the tributes that have been coming out right across the sector. You know, not not just the sporting sector, but the entertainment sector on a whole about what type of guy he was. And and honestly, he's touched so many people. Um, and and it's been fitting that all these tributes have been coming out over the last few days, but it's still surreal, mate. Like seriously, at fifty two, um, I'm fifty four. It's a bit of a wake up call that you know life's really short and we must enjoy it. Oh, you're you're spot on, mate. And and you're you're right about the tributes out there. Is um, even seeing like Elton John. That's that's kind of the impact he's had on the world stage. You know, when you get a tribute from Elton John, uh, Sir Elton John over there, he's a tribute to to Shane Warne and. and Look, growing up, everyone wanted a bowl spin and everyone wanted a bowl leg spin. And I remember being in the backyard. I used to play ice bowl right arm medium fast. 
And every time I was in the nets, my coach used to rip me out because I'd try and bowl some wrongers. I'd start mucking around in, in the nets trying to bowl some leg spins. So everyone would just try and be like Warney. And you just got to understand that it, that is the hardest form of cricket that you could ever ever do. The hardest bowling form uh, is trying to bowl leg spin and, and get it spot on every single time. And I was watching a lot of his highlights last night. And I was just in awe, just in amazed at, at how accurate he was able to do, the drift he was able to create with the ball, the turn. Like, he'd turn it over over three foot, three or four mm. foot, every single time from about a metre outside the leg stump, and he'll come back and knock off the top of off stump. Bamboozled uh, cricketers and, and great batsmen around the world. And, look, it's a, it's a sad time, eh, because I was, I was trying to get old... Um, Old Flem on, and I, I just said to him, "Look, I fully understand, mate. I know you're really close with with the king, and and uh, you know, it's still probably quite raw. Um, yeah, I'd, he would have got too emotional and, and too caught up in, in the in the moment, so he's not coming on. But Craig McMillan's going to come on and hope he sheds some light. And we got a little message from from Skip uh, about the great Shane Warne. Um, Seven hundred and eight wickets, man, for an average of twenty five point four one. His uh, three, th- 37 five-wicket bags. He's had 10, 10 wicket innings. He's had best uh, bowling figures of eight for 71. Um, so, yeah, it's just so much uh, sporting greatness in there, and um, we're going to celebrate it throughout the 8 o'clock hour, mate. And you're right, look, we've had Inger uh, and, and Joely Vendiri, and then we had uh, Rod Marsh, and then we had Cricketing. So it's happening in twos, mate. It's happening in twos, and you're right, we've just got to cherish every single moment. And, and uh, make the most of it. Eh? It is. There's nothing quite like um, when somebody who you just, especially a larger than life or kind of like a, that invincible aura of personality, suddenly goes like that. That shock factor. And I hate to compare deaths, but there was an uh, kind of an era of when Kobe passed away, and I was like, but Kobe, he's like the toughest guy. You know, he's like the most you know never say die, relentless, p- relentless um, competitor, that sort of thing. And with Warney, it's like Warney was like evanescent. He was bigger. Everyone says he's larger than life, but it was almost like his spirit couldn't be contained. And you watch him on TV, and the way he, the passion he had, the way he would get Howie up and about in the Fox Studios, and when that, when when Scott Boland, I think back this year when was bowling that spell at the G. And Warney was off his head. He was just like, oh, how good's Tess Cricket? Like, <laughs> like percolating. And, like, that kind of that kind of spirit that he possessed, it felt so wrong that it could just be taken like that. And, and you know, his family, I know, uh, especially his son Jackson, they're, they're so close. And I imagine the shock. It just it really was pretty a strange feeling on Saturday morning. And um, Baz's message he shares, he tells a couple of good stories about Warning it, and I'm really looking forward to everybody to see that, uh, um, or to hear that, because the the people that knew Warney, it almost is like what you saw is what you got. Like he really was just an open book, can you? Which is quite cool. Yeah, look, I I, I like listening to him because what he's what he said, um, you know, he he was head on a sleeve. He he meant every word that he said. You know, Mitchell Stark, for instance, and in that that um, that time he he. He sort of called him out and said he wasn't really playing up to up to standard. And they, you know, I think one of the one of the old Aussie players saying you've been a bit hard on him. He said, "Yeah, I probably was, but I made him play better." You know what I mean? And it's sort of, I think when you when you're listening to him talk, he just, you know, you don't what you see is like you said, what you see is what you get. I, I, I think we should be celebrating. You know, although although he's passed away, 
I often I was lying there the other other morning thinking, you know, why do we wait till someone dies before we we sit down and you know have a wake with them? Why don't why don't we get your mates together and come around and and just talk talk to each other, you know, and mm. and, and have a time and say, well, you know, we're going to celebrate your life, Warner, or or whatever. So, yeah, really um really sad time, but you know, I hope I hope everyone sort of remembers him for all the all the good things. Mm, for sure, bro. We were lucky enough to have him on the show um, last year, and while well, we spoke about him uh, when he had COVID in the room, he was <laughs> <and> he <laughs> he's like, yeah, I was in the room with COVID. I thought I'd try and beat the Rona with uh, smacking over 100 darts, but that didn't work. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. If we got some audio of that, it'd be quite good to play our little uh, catch-up with the great Shane Warne. And uh, I remember seeing him two, three years ago. We we're on that. We we're at New Zealand Open, and this is Wardy. He's the king. He can do what he wants. Anyway, we're all putting on the putting green, and like pros are all around trying to get into their routines. They've got all their little devices and gadgets out on the on the putting green, and and I look over. I could just see a mountain, a cloud of smoke. I look over, and Wardy's got about two darts in his mouth. <laughs> he's on the putting green, surrounded by all these athletes, and he's just sitting there going. Putting away, and then someone will talk to me. Goes, yeah, mate, yeah, and it'll just be loud as ever. And you know, when golfers are trying to be serious, don't talk. But Wardy's just the biggest mouth, and he's puffing away on about five packs, mate. He was, uh, he was, uh, he was a man. And I, I met him for the first time at that ended open, mate. And I've yeah, never been quite nervous. <laughs> when I met the king. Hey, it was pretty, oh, pretty special moment. Is he? That's so good. And I actually saw a video. My, <laughs> one of my mates posted real similar thing yesterday at Jack's Point, like beautiful golf course so he puts the tee yeah. down he puts his tee down puts the ball on it drives it and he doesn't drive it to his satisfaction so when he picks the tee up I also see he pulls the durry out of his mouth and just throws it just into the middle of the fairway <laughs> so he's only one bloke that just throw firstly he just teed off with a dart in his mouth and then he didn't like his drive so he threw it I wonder is um I wonder is is he a is he a dying breed like geez terrible analogy is he a breed that's going out of fashion um as far as the way he kind of commentated in the, the media persona he had about, you know, that real fearless, like I was a great of the baggy green and I may be one of the greats along with Don Bradman and other people. So I have the right to say what I want and to challenge those Mitchell Starks to make them better. Are those that sort of character, are we seeing less and less of them, Kempi? I think you'll be yeah. really careful if you're going to take them on. You know what I mean? Like, don't take a specialist on in their game. That's um, that's what I've sort of learnt in and around commentary. If you're gonna you're gonna talk to someone about what they know a lot a lot about, then be very careful um, how you attack that. Because you know the thing with Shane Warne, like he was the best. So you know, over a thousand first class wickets. Um, so when he was talking, he had everyone's respect. So when he was out there on the on the cricket pitch. And turning that ball over three feet, everyone knew that they were up against the best in the world. So, um, I think I think just that in itself, knowing that he he'd done all that great stuff, um, earned him that respect. Yeah, nah, he was a uh, he was after, and you're you're dead right. He, every time he spoke, mate, he he was honest and he was truthful, and he backed it up with. Um, you know, uh, you know, a lot of experience as well, and and that's for me. That's probably the hardest thing in commentary and being being a voice on the airways is you've got to have those opinions, and but you've got to be able to back it up and and stay true to what you're about. And uh, he did that with so much ease and honour. But look, we're going to celebrate Shane Warne's life throughout the morning. We've got a big, big show. We're talking cricket. We're going to be talking rugby because the rugby was held on the weekend, and it was. Mm, 
A couple of them were quite, quite average, just to be honest. But um, we we <laughs> chat about that. Kempi will be right up and about. He'll be talking oh, I about agree with you, mate. No <laughs> doubt. Oh, <shock>. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it when All Blacks. I love it when an All Blacks sees a rugby's average. <laughs> <laughs> One game was particularly average, and I was uh, at that game. But anyway, we'll talk about that. But we'll celebrate the success as well because Fiji and Drua had their first win, and Moana Pacifica. Playing uh, for their people, they put on a hell of a valiant effort, gallant effort, I should say, at uh, Forsyth Bar against the Crusaders, and they should be extremely proud. So we'll look at some of the positives later on in the show. We're going to talk to Craig McMillan, Emily Drum. We've got a big, big show, but yeah, we've got a few texts on the text line. We'll get to those very, very shortly. Text us on the Temport Bed Post text machine double eight double three anytime. Back soon. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the chemist we ask. Great savings every day. Don't take this as any sort of um, gospel, and this is actually a bit tongue-in-cheek, so before I get crucified for saying this, all I'm saying is I thought if I smoke 100 cigarettes a day I could kill COVID, but it didn't really work. I ended up on a ventilator, so it wasn't um, <laughs> it wasn't ideal. Oh, that is, that's the conversation I was uh, talking about earlier on in the show about Warney smoking 100 darts to think he could kill COVID. Oh, Warney. One of the greatest, greatest chats I've ever had and witnessed on the... Wow. Look, honestly, when I heard we were, we were interviewing Shane Warne, I was wow, amazed. Just an absolute legend. And uh, just hearing that, Kempe, you, you, you get a bit of an understanding of what kind of lifestyle Warney lived. Oh, mate, he get on all right with my old lady. <laughs> she, go, she goes through 100 <laughs> a day as well. They'd have a great conversation. Oh, <laughs> oh man. He's, yeah, it was a very, very fascinating uh, interview. We've got another little clip from our chat with the great Shane Warne. So we saw Hardy the other day, John Hart. We saw him in Auckland, and Izzy and I said, oh, looking forward to the New Zealand Open this year. And he said, I'm not sure if you're going to get the invite yet. So, <laughs> so we're waiting. We're hoping, we're hoping that, that you, Warney, as a star power, might be able to just put in a good word for us, if that's possible, mate. Well, Baz, if you're not playing, I'm not playing, mate. I haven't got an invitation either, so maybe we could both try and uh, brown nose up the right people and try and get the invite. <laughs> well, if they're not inviting Warney, then the tournament's going to fail. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a wonderful tournament to play in. And any, oh, look, I don't think there's any other sport in the world where you can play with some of these pros and um, watch the way they play. Like, I play in the Dunhill up here in Scotland as well. And you're playing with Ryan Fox, who's um, become a great mate over the last five or so years. We've been playing together up at the Dunhill. And just to watch these guys play in competition, playing for five million euro, and we're next to them hacking it up the fairway. I mean, it's <laughs> there's no there's no other sport in the in the world where you can actually watch these or compete with these guys in proper competition. You couldn't say, look, come out to the MCG and uh, come and come and face uh, Shell Bakhtar, just just rolling his arm over at ninety five mile an hour, and just have a hit, will you? You know, like you just in front of ninety thousand, you just can't do it. So. To have that privilege and that I'm very grateful for the New Zealand Open, um, the Dunhill links to have those invitations and play some golf and hack it around. It's good fun. Yeah, some good messages there from Warney, and that was actually where I uh, heard the news about Shane Warne's passing was with his great mate, and uh, he spoke about it five years. He's played at the Dunhill Links Invitational over in the UK with Ryan Fox, and uh, that was where I heard the news. And just, just hearing Warney chat there and just being so honest and open about everything. He never shied away. 
was was honest with his opinion and uh, just an absolute champion that we're going to miss. And we've got a few text messages coming on the text lines. Something Warney said was that he wanted to be the same person he was before his fame. He was. All his mates and colleagues say he was so loyal. Hard to take this one. That is rest in peace, the king. From Richie, I'm sure there's uh, there's many more messages around there. And I've, I just want to ask you, um, Kempi, uh, about Warney. And when you think of Warney, what is the one thing that springs to mind? There's many moments I just spoke about, but there's obviously many hairdos he's had over his time. I mean, what's the first thing that springs to your mind when the name Shane Warne comes up? Oh. Memory, a moment, mate. The, what really comes to my, my mind is that he is—he would be the bloke that I would have loved to um, play alongside because he—he didn't just play um, good cricket. He partied hard, and he just did what—and <laughs> he just did what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things. I think Shane. Sh- Shane Warne wanted to be remembered for for the bloke that he was before he was a cricketer, mm. you know. And and um, there's me, there's many blokes, as he as you know, in both rugby league, rugby union, any sport, where you've got that one bloke that's just the life of the life of the the team. And Shane Warne yep. was that bloke. You know, I didn't know Shane Warne, um, mm. and just watching his career and how he developed into a, I thought, a real decent cricket commentator. Um, he never ever shirked uh, who he was. He always he always shot from the hip. And I, I really like that, yeah. admire that in people. Um, but it, like I said, like I said first thing this morning, you can really tell the calibre of a person when other people are talking about you. And he's, you know, across the board getting, getting some pretty decent comments. So um, I'm pretty sure that you know, not only on the cricket pitch but off it. He's he's got some. Everyone who's been with him's got some stories to tell. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure Louis will be um, on the same page with me here. Even Joe and Kez maybe. Um, if they remember the PS1 Shane Warne cricket oh. uh, playing that as a young yes. bloke. Just one of yes. the great games, the greatest games. Shane Warne cricket. John Alomu rugby and the cheats. John Alomu rugby. Shane Warne Cricket. The, probably the best games bought Two. out on PlayStation. Sport games, particularly. Yes. <laughs> Two of them. What's the other one? <laughs> Colin McRae Rally. Rugby Well, Chuck. Yeah, Colin McRae. Crash Bandicoot. But, it, but Shane Warne Cricket. Chuck in the hack. Superman. Where you smash every ball for six. And then the beach ball mode. Remember when you, that cricket ball's the size of a beach ball? Pulled all those hacks in, mate. You, 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 you're opening the bat with Shane Warne. You're smashing 300. That's how good he was anyway. But that's my uh, greatest memories is uh, staying up all night with my brothers and uh, playing the PlayStation until mum got up for work at 6am and booted our bums and told us to get to bed. <laughs> Those are my good memories of Shane Warne. Look, we're going to celebrate his life throughout the morning, but keep your messages coming through on the text machine, double eight double three, and we'll get those through. Your greatest memories, or what's one thing that springs to mind when Shane Warne comes to the forefront of your memory? Um, that is uh, our little conversation. It's talking about Shane Warne. Now it's time for Emma and the News for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. SNZ 27 minutes away from 7 o'clock on the 7th of March 2022. Remembering Shane Warne's life all throughout the morning and week and year. He is the wizard of the week, the year, the decade. He could do it all, couldn't he? Right now, Izzy, they tell me 
And no offence, brother, but I haven't been getting up at <laughs> 6.30 to listen to your Love Racing <laughs> Dotty and Z updates. They tell oh, me wow. you have been holding the fort down and tipping out some doozies. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been a tough couple of weeks, Louis. Oh, look, I'll be honest. I'll be, I've been on with Ricardo, and um, he's been following me in because he's got absolutely no idea, and I've probably got 1% more of an idea than him. Um, so I've been trying to, mate. Been trying, but it's great to have you back. Honestly, if there was anything that really rattled me about the show it was that six six thirty little moment. Love racing <laughs> when I've got no idea what I'm trying to talk about, and I'm just trying to sell it. Hey, look, I love the punting, and you're gonna love my little my little boys trip I've got coming up this weekend. But we'll get into that a bit later. Oh yes, I've heard the rumor mill is swirling. The border's <laughs> open, and who? <laughs> hey, Jesse, looking fit as well. Just seeing you stand up there. Um, okay, here we go. Love racing dot. Oh, no, just thanks, like, Luke. No, you're looking good, mate. I actually saw you on telly on Friday night, and I thought, shit. Okay, okay, my guy. Okay, okay. I see that juice. He's still on the juices. That's good to see. Um, anyway, anyway. Stop hurting on me, Louis. Love racing. Yeah, dessert pizza. Right? Love racing. Dotty and Z. Let's get stuck into it. The weekend. What I want to do because I'm going to head down to Caracas pretty much soon. I'm going to jump in the car, get down there, and when I get down there. I've got. A, I'm going to tune back into you, boys. And I, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. One of them is who can we be, expect to be buying today at Karaka New Zealand Bloodstock Book One Sales. So just to lay the lay the, the groundwork and the land, lay, get the lay of the land here of what goes on. Each year at Karaka, they have their big yearling sale where the baby horses that are over just over a year old get brought to the sales. They get paraded about a million times and they get sold in the ring in an auction setting. And it's it's bloodstocker, it's bloodstock traders, agents, it's trainers, it's whoever. I mean, it could be me, it could be you, it could be Kimpy, it probably couldn't be Joey the Rat. Um, we'll go out there and, and buy these horses. So I'm going to let you know who we can expect to be right in the thick of the action. I'm going to let you know later on the stallions of note we should be looking for, and, and the stallion is the, the father of these yearlings, and that's probably the most important bloodline. But the dam is also very important, and I'm going to let you know which lots, and that a lot is code word for horse being sold, we should watch out for today. So that's what we're going to do when I get down the road at Karaka. I'm going to go out there and do it from the park bench at Karaka because the complex is beautiful, and I'll try to paint the picture for you. But just to reflect on the weekend, I mean, this is quite a unique um, Karaka sales in the sense that they've moved it from January to March. So it usually goes the night before Karaka Million races. And, well, the, sorry, the day at the Karaka Million races is the night before the sales. This year, due to COVID, they wanted to extend the period of time and, and give make it so there was a chance that the Aussies could be here. That hasn't quite worked as far as the out-and-out Aussies, but what we'll see is, and I'll explain this a bit more later, we have got some expat Kiwis come back, which is great. The upshot of the racing calendar and, and the changes there, well, we've had a derby weekend, which is one of the great weekends of racing all year, <coughs> leading into the Caracas sales. And that's been really interesting because there have been some serious pedigree updates, including the winner of the derby, Asterix, has a full sister going around in the uh, going around in these sales, and I guarantee you there will be a pretty penny put on her lot number, and I'll, I'll update you probably tomorrow when she's due to go around. Now the derby itself, well, Ricardo sent me a message and said you stopped Perfect Pink Street, now you've stopped La Creeks 
streak. <laughs> I, I'm not going to pin that on you, Izzy. That was a weirdly run derby. It was kind of a muddling tempo. Um, she There's a great stat from Craig Baker at Ellerslie. She ran the equal fastest first 400, I think, and then the fastest last 200, which is extremely rare. And just from where she was at Barrier 1, La Creek, she had to pretty much, um, yeah, equal fastest 400 and the fastest last 200. She pretty much had to boot up to hold her position, but it still didn't matter. There was so much. We didn't think there was going to be any tempo. The tempo was weird. The horses mm. all swamped her. She got stuck back on the fence, and by the time she came all the way around heels, when she let down, she still ran the fastest 200, but Asterix was off and gone. Very smart ride mm. by Jonathan Parks. Kempi, did you find Asterix? No, mate, I was, what, at $46? I didn't know. You know Jonathan Parks is a good jockey, but I didn't have him. I thought LaCreeks Le- was a was a specialty. I'm you know, not too happy with the way that Vinnie rode, rode her, but um, mm. that's what happens in the dark. You know, those big races, mate, you, you don't know. That's that's why they always say it's hard It's hard to win one. So Yeah, I, I, I don't think that... Yeah, I saw people having a crack at Vinnie and saying he should have booted up and should have kept going and just trusted that he had the freak in the race, but... I, I think it was just a weird one, and as you say, sometimes those big races do just go strange, and no matter the jockey, it can be, you know, he's the Derby King, you've got to remember. A couple of other horses to shout out from the weekend. On the bubbles, uh, he's back. He was huge in the Mufasa stakes, so he's going to be tough to roll in Bang. the in the Levin Classic. Sort of state. Bang, sort of state. Does he go to Australia? 100%. He has to, really, has to. to get some black type. Cambridge well, stud paid a lot of money for him. He's going right. to be a future stallion star. He's a schnitzel. He's worth a lot of money. Uh, Bellatrix <laughs> Black, well, she declared herself a true Oaks threat, didn't she? Um, she was very good at over the 2100, put together a great record now. And Bellucci Babe in the last at Randwick in the get-out stakes. Get up, Sammy Williams and Little Avondale stud in the beautiful dark green. They will be selling plenty of purring cantos today out of the Savabile mare, Savamore. Just a lovely cross, and I'm sure Sammy Williams has got plenty of those. I'm off to Caracas. Good luck with the show. I'll tune back in later, maybe. <laughs> Have you registered? Can, oh, you, oh, can you put a bit in? On behalf of... <laughs> well, I don't know. Izzy looks like, Izzy <laughs> looks like he's got plenty. Well, there's big, nah, there's big chat that Izzy's buying Moanga's full brother. I'll tell you about that lot uh, later on. <laughs> I wish, mate. I wish. I've got a zero dollars. Um, good work, Louis. That was outstanding. See, you just wrangled and winged your way through that love racing. I don't know what I got out of it. You, you've had Vinnie Colgan's back. Well, I agree with Kempe. Sorry, uh, just because that was my anchor and it ruined me. But I'll tell you who had a good day. Taiki Yanagida. He ran a couple of winners here in in, in LSE as well. So he got himself into a couple of Auckland Cup races and and things like that. He ruined me. That's why I took notice of that. But um, it was tough, mate. When Animo Zaki comes second over in Australia, you know it's going to be a tough day. On the punt. Uh, we, should, we should have put it into a race. place. We should have put in a place multi on Friday. That's bloody yeah. Karen sent me the fifteen dollar um, win, and I sh- and I was going to back a place. Uh, yeah. Louis, what do you say? What do you say? What did you say to me that day when you cost me an arm and a leg? Each way, all day. Each way, all day. Yeah, that's it. And I did it. And oh no, I went. No, you said I went on the place with a horse that won and paid eight bucks. It went from a little multi to a big multi. If I'd done that, anyway, <laughs> good work, Louis. 
Thanks, Daggy. Good work. You get out of here. Okay. Get out of here. Go get your little Mac Cafe on the way to Caracas. Get a nice week coffee or something like Great that. And uh, we'll hear Great from you call. later on in the show. That was our, that was our loveracing.nz. Update your home for thoroughbred racing news, previews, reviews, and more. Call now on the on the Kennard's Hire phone line 0800-150 to take on the quiz master, the is master, and we'll give you a $50 bonus bet courtesy of the team at the TAB. Call now. It's Quizzy Dag. A quiz for the ages to prove yourself. The quiz master, the is master, stay with me. Oh, this might be an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, if you think you got what it takes, give us a call on 0800 150 811. <laughs> yes, Ricardo's gone. Bears is gone. So we got Kempi. We got Kempi. So Kempi, this is how it works. Someone gets a little bit stuck. They need a little bit of a hand. They might go to a phone a friend, and they'll go to you, Kempi. But don't be too obvious. Don't say it's between five and and seven, and then it's obviously six. I don't, I'll Just tell go, you what, yeah, don't come little... to me. <laughs> 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 Telling you now, don't right. come to me. <laughs> I, I, thought, to I, thought you say, I, I thought you say you're going to need a hand with that song then. <laughs> that sounded like it. <laughs> oh, oh, Kempi, Kempi. Oh, hey. Oh, boy. You're the first one that's hated on me on for that. That's all right, mate. First day on the show, be your last. <laughs> good I, love it. You, I love it. Good crack. Good crack. We'll get into it, eh? We've got Uncle from, from Huntley. We've got Brett on the line. Morena, Brett. Hey, I'm opening the betting again, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're number, and, and you're number 10 on the line, too. They, they just, oh. I don't think, it, I think it's a Huntley thing. <laughs> yeah, boys. How was the weekend? There we go. Nah, good. I'm blaming you. Good weekend, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's blaming Vinny. All right. We'll rip into it, bro. We'll rip into it. Good luck, Brett. This is uh, Shane Warne themed. We'll keep it on the theme on, on the great Shane Warne. So here we go. Question number one Who did Shane Warne bowl in the so called ball of the century? Uh, Mike Getting? Yes, correct. Well done. Well done. Question number two. If you heard my intro, you would have got this. How many times did Warney take 10 wickets in the test? Five, four, yes. Bang. I did hear that one. There you go, there you go, awesome. Question number three. Which English county side did he play for? You're, you're up there, Kimpy. You're up, Kimpy. I, t- I told you, don't come to me. Don't come to me. But I, I got, I got, I got, I'm going to say Worcestershire. <laughs> that must have been close. It had some, Five, had some Shire four. in it. <laughs> He's going to the Lord of the Rings. Five, four, three, two. Nah. Sorry, bro. Sorry, Brett. Good, good start, mate. You got the innings off to a good, good, yeah, good start for for the yep. team. So they'll be happy, the mate. Swing for the fences, brother. Have a good day. We'll go to John in Christchurch. Morning, John. John. 
Oh, no, nah, John. John's shot off. We've got a Richie in Upper Hut. Morning, Richie. Morning, is he? Morning, Richie. Which English county I'll, side did he play for? I'll give um, Durham a go. No, it wasn't Durham. Sorry, brother. Have a good day. We've got a Tim in Christchurch. Tim, morning. Morning, how are we doing? Good, thank you. Timmy, which English county side did Shane Warne play for? Uh, Hampshire. Oh, you got it. Hampshire, Hampshire. There we go. Question number four. Which player was bowled for Shane Warne's 700th wicket? He's a lefty. Um, oh. uh, can I find a friend? Four. Of course you can. Oh. Yep. You can. You can. No, no, no. Her kids. Hold that button, mate. Jump the gun. It's a bit like driving. Erratic. Go, Kimpy. <laughs> uh, I reckon it's Andrew Strauss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kimpy. Do you want to back? Do, do, are you back in what's there the, or not? You what's back the in answer? Um, what's that? Five. Is it? Who do, who, who do you reckon it is? Andrew Strauss. Yeah. yeah, come on, come on in, phone him. Kippy, Kippy, that's, that's, that's bad. That's worse than Bears McCullum. That's between five and seven. Oh, my goodness. Question number five, to win the $50. Here we go. What was Warney's highest test score with the bat? 99, and he got it twice. <laughs> oh, that's a debatable morning from you, Kempi, in the quiz. We're going to have to re- you know, reevaluate how you come through with this next uh, couple of days, but that was good. I, I, said, I said I had a shire You're the winner, brother. It. I said I had a shire in it, didn't I? <laughs> oh, man, you're outstanding. One, one, one clue, one clue gonna... was pretty out there, and one clue was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good luck, Larry. Thanks for you. Thanks for joining us today, and congratulations. We'll see you tomorrow, Timmy. You're you're a champion. Appreciate it. There we go. That was our quizzy dag. Timmy is the is the winner of the fifty dollar bonus bet courtesy of the team at the TAB. We'll be back shortly on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Your immune health with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse now starting from just nine ninety nine. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, morning, morning. Up, you're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We've got Tony Kemp in the house. Louis Hume Watts made his way to the Caraca Sales via the McCafe to get himself a coffee. We've got a few texts. We're talking about Shane Warne earlier on in the morning. Got a few messages of support and uh, some memories of the great cricketing legend uh, Shane Keith Warne. Warney was like the Dennis Rodman of the cricket world. Not scared to be himself, which made him unique. Someone I admired for his honesty and, of course, unreal cricket skills. And that is from Gig. Totally agree with you there, Gig. And then also, uh, morning, guys. Many sportsmen and women come and go during your life. And then there are ones that have global influence because of their God-gifted skill and their sport, which makes everyone take notice. Jonah, rugby, David Beckham, football, and now Warney cricket. That is from Dave. Very, very spot-on message there from Dave on the text machine. Keep those coming out throughout the morning. We'll be remembering the great Shane Keith Warne. 
Um, coming up after the news with them, we're going to talk to Emily Drum because the White Ferns take on Bangladesh live here at 11 a.m. on SCNZ. We'll be talking about that and plenty, plenty more. We're off to track down a caf- uh, coffee, a McCafe coffee now. Here's Emma with the news for Kibara. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Support your immune health with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse, now starting from just $9.99. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. Morning, you're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. It's just after 7 o'clock here, and well, we're going to have a big, big hour ahead of us, and I agree, Emma. How did Louie get on that list? Well, I'll tell you how. We had to do it. We were about to do a live cross there from Karaka Millions, but because of the COVID situation, Kempi and myself weren't able to head along. So, well, Louie draw the, the short stick, as he would often say, and he's gone away for a couple of hours to... Spend some time, and well, he ain't going to spend so money because he's got none. He's seen the house he was hiring out of down here in Christchurch on his holiday. Um, but yeah, we'll get a wee update from him throughout the next couple of hours. Coming up in the show, we're going to talk to Lance O'Sullivan, have a chat to Sullivan Scott Stable. They trained winner of the Derby Asterix, ridden by Jonathan Parks, and uh, paid 46 bucks. So we have a chat to him about that. He was back to back. And the Derby won it last year as well. So we'll have a chat to him. And then we'll, after 8 o'clock, we'll have a chat to Craig McMillan. Macca, he's going to come on the line to reflect and celebrate the life of the great Shane Warne. Uh, rest in peace, the King. Uh, many, many messages coming through on the sixth line as well about that. And like I said, we're going to talk to Louis Herman Watt. We're crossing in from the Karaka Sales. Right now, it is time to remember, SCNZ will be bringing you live commentary of today's White Ferns game with coverage starting at 10.25 this morning. Be sure to tune in to hear all your thoughts and analysis from Daniel McCarty, Garth Galloway, Maya Lewis, and the one and only Emily Drum. And, well, Kempi's going to intro our next guest, <laughs> one and only Emily Drum. Yeah, m- Cheers, Izzy. It's time for a Monday morning McCafe coffee catch-up as the White Ferns continue on their World Cup journey. It's fair to say the opening game of the tournament couldn't have been any more tense. Right, our win today against Bangladesh. Four runs needed. Dotton bowling over the weekend and beating the outside edge of the bat. They'll try to take a bye. No, there's a mix-up. Got to get back. There's got to be a run-out. It's all over. Fran Jonas has run out at the non-striker's end, is she? The West Indies are celebrating. They're sprinting away. Yeah, win today against Bangladesh is now crucial to kickstart their tournament ahead of some serious tests. And Emily Drummond, Drum, a former captain of the White Ferns and part of the Sens commentary team of the World Cup. Morning, Emily, is with us. Good morning, fellas. How's it going, Emily? How What did you think of the, that first game you know, coming down to New Zealand, oh. the West Indies, and, and uh, how the girls feel after that loss? Well, you know, after I just heard that last snippet of the game, I thought I'd moved on, but um, it's still mm. fresh in the minds for me. But, but I'm a spectator and... and uh, a fan and a former player, you, you remember those moments and you, you uh, think during the World Cup, those, those big moments that you've got to really nail. And unfortunately, with all the hard work that went into that game, just couldn't quite do it. And it's a shame, but they've got to move on quickly. You can't dwell and you can't mope and, and uh, feel sorry for yourself. You've just got to get back to the next game and, and today's that, which is quite nice actually. It comes around fast enough so these girls will have the opportunity to right the wrongs, which is nice. 
Yeah, Emily, thank you so much for joining us as Izzy here on the show. You spoke about moments and it didn't start that, that well, in the, particularly in our batting side when um, Susie Bates has run out with, wow, this an unfortunate uh, mishap there with uh, a tip off the opening bowler back into her wickets. But today we've got to focus, we've got to look forward and they've got an opportunity today against Bangladesh. Can we expect any changes within the side? Would you expect them to go in with two spinners again or maybe add another seamer? Yeah, there will be changes, I think. Um, gut feeling tells mm. me they'll uh, possibly swap out a, a spinner um, just because mm. I think they need to keep the side fresh. Um, I think some people will be disappointed with their performance on Friday and will feel like they didn't put mm. their best efforts forward, that, that they probably came into the tournament worse. I mean, we played really well against India, a couple of good warm-ups, but you just, you know, the big games, you've got to stand up and be counted and you know, it was a shame for Fran Jonas, a young girl. Um, we've all played that mm. first game for New Zealand and, and been on the big stage, but oh, yeah. we've got to make sure that the whole 15 are ready to play in the squad. And, and tournaments are squad tournaments. So hopefully there will be changes. Keeps the girls on their toes mm. as well, so no one can rest on their laurels. But it never starts well when you run out um, without you know, really having much of a say in the game. So we can't afford to lose. I call them the Fab Four. You know, Susie Bates, Sophie Devine, Amy Satisfate, and mm. Mary Kerr, the Fab Four. They have done it all season yeah. so far, domestically and internationally, and we really need those girls to stand up again today. You're so, you're so right there, Emily. Having played in the World Cup, is he the same? Is that it is a, you know, look at what Beaver did when he had to come in and kick that goal to, to win a World Cup. It's a, it's a whole squad effort. Well, there's so much passion in the, in the first couple of games. What... What have the um, the Kiwi girls been talking about after that loss? About how how are they going to match? I guess the enthusiasm of the other teams so far in the tournament. I think they've got to not panic. Being the first thing, um, don't get car- carried mm. away. It's only one game. I've already seen with some of the games so far that you've got teams who are who are pushing so hard for wins. India struggled a bit yesterday. South Africa struggled on Saturday. So there's no real easy mm. beats, and this is what's going to happen. I actually think positions three and four to get the semis are going to come down to run rate. So even though we were only second game into the tournament, the need to save runs and score runs for that net run rate is going to come into play. So these girls will be wanting to really put a big, big effort in because they know that they probably should have won on Friday. They know that they're better than that. They know that they need to do it, need to do it at home, especially in this game, to get their campaign back on track. Well, Emily, you're calling the, the action and you're live. You're right there and there. Can can you give us a little lead in tactics-wise? There's been a lot of chat over the last couple of years. When you're playing at these tournaments, conditions are hugely important. How would you? How do you feel the, the, the White Ferns today need to approach this, this game tactically? Would we bowl again first to put the pressure on them? Or do you see us getting out there, putting on a solid innings, batting first and, and putting the pressure back on Bangladesh? Well, I think um, I'm in two minds about that because I haven't seen the pitch down in Dunners, so I'm not yeah. sure what what to expect, expect, whether it's a fresh pitch or, or used pitch. That will have a say mm. as to what they decide to do. I was a little bit surprised that we chose to bowl first the other day. It was a really nice batting track. Uh, first pitch or first use of that pitch before it got used again. And um, the West Indies certainly made batting look very easy against us. But the, the Bangladeshis are quite short, so I'd imagine that we're going to bowl aggressively and we'll set 
hopefully the traps in terms of uh, trying to get them out hooking and, and fending. So there won't be that many balls to drive as far as getting on the front foot, I would imagine. However, the, the goal is to win and win as well as we can. So whatever method we choose is it's up to Sophie and, and Bob Carter to decide what they want to do. But I really just want to see a blooming good win. That's what I want to see. And just to keep these girls' confidence back up. I mean, there's no mucking about. You just need to win and win well. And yeah. whatever method they choose... They just have to nail it. That's really what it comes down to for me. Yeah, for sure. I totally, totally agree. When you're playing in these World Cups, particularly at home, there's so much pressure. But I think they've got the team. They definitely have. I don't think it. I know they have. For for you, have you? how have you been? You've probably answered this question so many times, but I've been amazed and I'm very, very impressed with how this uh, environment, this this team have, have carried themselves, over, particularly over the last year and a half. They've been making great strides and great gains in the right direction. For you, what have you noticed the biggest difference in the, the White Ferns and how they've approached this last uh, year and a half? Yeah, it's been a long run up into this World Cup and, and delaying mm. it by a year has probably helped us more than anything because we weren't really mm. that ready a year ago, in my opinion. These girls were learning. We were playing too much T20 cricket, for one. These girls are learning yeah. how to bat in 50-over cricket. It is actually very different. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's as simple as 100-metre race versus 1,500-metres. You've got to learn tactics. You've got to learn how to bat for time. You've got to learn how to manipulate the field as a batsman. It's a batsman's game, and I talk about it from a batsman's point of view because if you can't put a score on the board, you're not going to win. And already we've seen some big scores from Aussie and England. We've seen these batter beautifully, and, and your top four has to get 100. That or thereabouts, you've got to have 100-plus partnerships. And if you can't do that, then you're not going to win that many games. And where we've come to from probably, as you say, 18 months ago to, to now, we've come into a form at just the right time. So they can't let Friday disturb their mindset. They just need to get back on and do what they've been doing really well over the last six six weeks and, and beyond. Uh, that's, so we're talking about our white ferns and we want them to win every single game now and win the whole competition. But there's been one match and I want your predictions. What's your take from the first round of the World Cup? Have you been impressed and who has impressed you? Yeah, the, the big guns have stood up. Um, as much as I, I don't like to say Friday was an upset, it probably tipped the... <laughs> The odds a bit um, <laughs> more than what I would have liked. But Aussie looked very strong. Yeah. England looked good, chasing 300-odd. Mm. Um, South Africa looked a little bit jittery, as did India. Yeah. They struggled from 112 for six yesterday to get a good score of 245. So first-round nerves, you could say. But um, Aussie are very, very good. Any of their top six are going to score 100 any given day. So you got to catch them on an off day to beat those guys. But... Look, it's shaping to be a very good tournament, and the quality is, is pretty good. There's no easy beats. Probably four years ago, mm. you could say maybe six, seven, and eight were fairly certain wins on the board, but not anymore. Yep. So every day that these girls put into their, their preparation, they need to upskill about the opposition. That will give them the advantage, I believe. Nice, nice. We're, we're talking to SENZ commentary team Emily Drum and former White Fern Emily Drum. Um, Emily, what are you doing? Are you out there exercising? Yeah, does it sound like it? I'm actually getting up the hill. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm actually struggling. <laughs> I've got to... 
I wasn't going to say. I wasn't going to say anything. Does it sound like I'm really puffing? Sorry about that. You got a little bit of a puff on. I know. Sorry, my my bad. But um, that's all good. I'm trying to get myself up the hill and down before the day begins. Oh no! Awesome, awesome. At least you're out there doing it. Makes us lazy buggers need to get out after work and uh, (laughs) get out on those hills. Down uh, for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. no, How are you enjoying the all call with, with, with the team, Garth Galloway and and Dan McCarty? You enjoying it? Yeah, it's great. Love it. Love it. I can't can't rave more highly about radio cricket. It's what I grew up with. You know, the long days back when you were a kid listening to um, the radio up at the beach, and it was just brilliant. Just love it, and it just paints the picture that you want to hear. Sometimes TV is a little bit. Mm. I don't actually listen without the sound on the TV most of the time. I just can't. Um, <laughs> I can't really engage in it all the time because, because the, the kids are running around the background, and it's just nice to be able to look up and look back. But when you've got the radio in the background, you can kind of allow yourself to really be at the ground, live the moment. And because I'm such a cricket geek, it's a bit of a tragic set of circumstances. I just can't help but think I'm out in the middle or watching that or coaching or something like that. So. For me, I just really enjoy just listening to it and the imagery that I get from it. Yeah, you're spot on. You're right in the action. And uh, the best thing I love about radio is you can just get up, put a T-shirt on. You don't have to put your suit on. Don't have to put your face on. You just get up, get into your work. All you need is a good, solid voice, and, and you need to know what you're talking about. Anyway, we keep trying to wing our way through this show. We'll just keep trying. Thank you so <laughs> <Well> much, <then>. Emily <laughs> Trump. <laughs> Former captain Emily Drum, and she is part of the SCNZ, SCNZ commentary team today uh, with Dan McCarty, Garth Galloway, and Maya Lewis. We appreciate your time on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Get up the white ferns. We'll get you on for a little post-match review uh, maybe in the next couple of days. Cool. Thanks, fellas. There we go. That was uh, Emily Drum, former captain. She is part of the SCNZ team bringing you live commentary today starting at 10.25 a post the show. There you go. She's um she's spot on. She's right on the money. And and we spoke to uh, Craig Cummings uh, a couple of months ago, and he took he spoke about the Fab Four: uh, Mila Kerr, Sophie Devine, Susie Bates, uh, Amy Sathwaite, and then you saw Katie Martin, particularly the other day. She was um, she was great with the bat as well. We need one of them to step up. Every single match, otherwise she's going to be a tough, tough day at the office. We're lucky with Sophie Devine; she got 108 in that last match. Mila Kerr, she's been very, very good in the Indian series. She got a ton, a uh, handful of wickets. So bat and ball, she's she's very good. And then Susie Bates, man, that was unlucky. I don't know if you saw that, but you see how she got out in that first match, Kempi? No, I, did, I I actually haven't seen the um, the the batting of the New Zealand side. I was watching the uh, the way that the West Indies sort of took their took their wickets and that bowl of, yeah. for the West Indies it was pretty aesthetic when she was doing that so I, you know for me when Emily was talking about it's like most tournaments isn't it isn't it as you know like you you need your big big guns to fire and that's what she's saying and then in a tournament situation you need to play out the whole tournament yeah. she's saying take your time you know make sure you stay and in, in, increase get Get the get the runs on the board and drag these games out, and they're a lot different than just these one-off test matches or these test series. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a decent chance of winning a tournament if you play in the tournament, and a lot of people don't um, don't understand that. In rugby league, you know, like the league boys go really well on a tournament because they get better as the as the weeks go on. 
playing alongside each other. Yeah. And and if and if the the ferns can do this, then they've got a they've got a decent chance of winning it. You know, the Australians and the English are always mm. going to be the two favourites. Um, but you yeah. can't take away our home ground advantage. I think if we can knuckle down and just listen to what Emily's got to say, play you know, our top four batting well and play with, within the tournament, and everyone plays a part in the squad, then you know we're a chance. It's it's a funny one, eh, mate? Like when you're planning these these must win tournaments, do you want to, uh, you know, find your squad, find your number one team? Do you want to give them time to build continuity, to build confidence? Or today, um, you know, Emily was saying that they might bring in a few changes, and it's quite a, it's it's one that could work. It's one that could go against you. You need you need to give your top side uh, a bit of time in the middle, like you spoke about, a bit of confidence, a bit of time to build those connections, that team morale, um, because. As soon, you know, the next couple of days, we're into must-win territory, even if we're not there at the moment after losing our first one. So, um, yeah, be interesting what they do selections-wise. Bob Carter, he is the coach. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. Sophie Devine and, and, the, and the leaders, Susie Bates. And I just had to apologise to Emily um, for bringing her up about her breathing. <laughs> I just thought, man, she must be doing some fitness. Good on her. <laughs> what a champion. Because, honestly, if I was running up hills, I wouldn't be able to speak. I wouldn't be able to speak. I ran one lap last week with um, with Aaron Webb. He was running. He ran 102 kilometres around the park. I ran one lap, and he was talking to me halfway around. I couldn't even breathe. So, Emily Drum, thank you so much for holding it together and coming on the show and putting us to shame. Get up the White Ferns. Like I said, live here on SENZ 1025, you'll get all the action with Stan McCarty, Garth Galloway, uh, Maya Lewis, and Emily Drum. That was former captain Emily Drum, and well, we'll be back shortly. I'm going to talk a bit of Super Rugby because it's happening. It is all happening on the weekend. It was quite average. Some of the games were poor, and also NRLs this weekend, Kempi. We got to get into it because Mark on the text machine, he's up and about Thursday. Kick off. About time. We'll talk about that shortly. Yeah, <laughs> you're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Yes, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We're a couple of minutes away from Emma in the news, and then we've got our choices. Florian Pohl, well, which I found out about three minutes ago I'm doing. <laughs> good luck. We'll see where that goes. Woo! Coming out, we're going to talk about a bit of rugby. A bit of rugby, because it was all happening over the weekend, and, well, in the break, Kempi just had to allude to RTS. RTS, he did have a little bit of a shoulder niggle on the weekend, so hopefully it's not too Shoulder bad. niggle, it was snapped, mate. Well, he still played. Yeah, yeah. Rodley Vasashek should have went off. Probably smart, smart decision would have been to go off. But anyway, we'll talk about that shortly, Kempi. Uh, talk about the game uh, on the weekend. We're talking about the games on the weekend. I was at Moana Pacifica down in uh, down in Christchurch when they made their debut in the Super Rugby history making night Friday in Dunedin. While we probably all expected the Crusaders to trounce. Moana Pacifica, they had other ideas. They played with so much passion and vigour that prop a lot of people, exclu- including myself, and the Crusaders didn't expect. Tackle count was double. They may have to make double amount of tackles uh, than the, the Crusaders, um, so it was always going to be pretty tough. They looked pretty knackered and de- out on their feet towards the end of that match. Look, I was very impressed. I was very impressed with how they uh, defended particularly. They were off the line. Uh, their, their, their loose four trio, uh, Solomoni Funaki, uh, Motunga and Henry Timmerstowers, man, they were lethal on defence. They were smapping the Crusaders' uh, attackers in half. Um, and, and what that did is they kept shooting up out of the line. And, and the Crusaders, if you watch that game, their passing was poor, man. Their passing was by by their ankles, by their feet. They were dropping balls in the contact. 
But that has to go back to how Moana uh, uh, Pacifica were defending. They were getting off the line. They were putting big shots on. And when you get hit once, next time you catch the ball, you're always going to have a look on your on your outside and your peripherals. So uh, that was happening uh, with with Moana Pacifica Crusaders. Look, they'll be they'll be disappointed because uh, they they got bullied. They got bullied and they got play, uh, made to play uh, particularly poor. Um, Moana Pacifica, they'll be very impressive, particularly with um, Eddie Inardi, um Lincoln McClutchy. For you, uh, Kempi, uh, did you watch this game and, and did you see the guys like Eddie Inardi, Lincoln McClutchy, 19 um, combination for Moana Pacifica? They set up that first try. They were a big influence and we, no one expected um, Solomon Funaki to get the first try and you know, particular Moana Pacifica. But your take, mate, were you, you watched that game and how did you take, what do you think of it? Yeah, look, I, I, I don't mind watching the rugby and I've been watching the um, Moana Pacifica boys in their pre-season training up here at Mount Smart Stadium. So some big boys and you're mm. right about the defences, you know, like once you get once you get a, a bit of passion in your defence and you start to sting a few players a couple of times mm. and they start to get a bit wary about when they want to carry the ball and how hard they want to carry it into the Tongan missiles or the Samoan missiles. So um, it's no 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 wonder that there was a bit of drop ball um, down there the, uh, the other night. But, you know, they, I guess from the, from the week before, it was a big improvement for the Moana Pacifica um, boys. And, and the biggest question for them is their resilience and whether or not they can... I guess show up week in week out to compete. You yeah. know the Crusaders; yeah. they've shown it for years. You know they they've taken the hits and they've yeah. taken the people that come and try and take the title off them. And and it's no wonder that you're going to play the Crusaders, who are the benchmark. So you're gonna you're gonna get a team that mm. shows up and plays. I, I remember reading a text last week. A guy a guy um, put out there that he thought it was a was easy money. You know for Moana Pacifica to be beaten by fifty points. And I just thought, mate, you're crazy. You know, mm. like first time they get to run against the the the, pe- the benchmark of the competition, yeah. they're not going to let them put fifty past them. Um, but mm. yeah, it's a yeah you know, the 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 round for me was the the Fijian boys. I thought that was the upset, and they got it. They, you know, I thought they were going all right, the Fijian boys, and and you know it's a bit of a yeah. a game down the bottom of the table there, but. You know, they again those those Pacifica boys. What I like about the competition is that we're getting to see more Pacifica boys play the game that love playing the game of rugby. Yeah. And you know the big hits and the and the and the excitement when they carry the football. Man, we're going to see some exciting tries this year. And you and you were just named a couple um, in your lead in there. Yeah, mate. You're spot spot on there. And just the more time that they play, they like for Moana Pacifica, they played without the ball a lot of the time. When they got the ball, they actually scored some really nice try. Uh, Fina Inise, he came on and uh, and scored a try in the second half. Mike McKee, he was your lock. Man, he was very, very mobile. He couldn't even walk at the end of it. But if they are able to treasure the ball, look after the ball, their set piece, particularly at scrum time, was was under a lot of pressure. But I thought their line-out more defence and their line-out more attack. We know the Crusaders, they haven't had a try scored against them in three or four years, and particularly at the line-out. They got tested there and uh, showed a lot of the, the current size Hurricanes Blues that you can actually... Um, make some gains, particularly in the Ruckmore, uh, in the Morling era. So, look, well done to Moana Pacifica. I was going to talk about the Hurricanes-Highlanders game, but where do I start? Because that was uh, pretty yuck as well. But two desperate sides. Um, Highlanders will be ruined. their missed opportunities. They made a ton of breaks, weren't able to execute towards the end of it, and then just put them themselves under a ton of pressure. And then we know the Hurricanes in the last quarter, they come back and uh, punish teams and just got the job done towards the end. So that was a little Super Rugby update. Moana Pacifica, they have made their start. Fiji and Drua beating the Rebels, so they're up and running over there. Two new teams in the Super Rugby competition, 
And while there was a lot of debate whether they would hold their own, well, they sure did. They were very, very proud of their efforts over the weekend. We're going to get over to Emma with the news because I was late a couple of weeks ago and she was very, very angry. I hope she's not angry. She gave Louie a bit of stick. We'll see what she's got to say about this. Here's Emma with the news for Cubata. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Yes, we're 25 away from 8 here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thank you, Emma, with the news. It's time for our Choices Flooring Poll. Ooh, that's hard. This is my first time doing this, so hopefully I do it some sort of justice. But, hey, we've been talking about showmen, superstars of the game, people that have just got a little bit of swagger when they're doing their, uh, their, their, their types of sport. You know, you've got Shane Warne and Cricket. Had ultimate swagger, the frosted tips. But when he when he had that when he was on the field, he had a presence, a legendary presence, and he could walk the talk. You got Dan Carter, he defined the game, changed the game in rugby. You got Stacey Jones, in league for the Warriors. You know, an absolute showman, humble off it, but when he was on it, just oh, made everyone stand there in awe and watch him do his razzle dazzle. So we want to talk. Who is? The great, who is cricket's best showman at the moment? Who is cricket's best showman at the current moment? I've got a couple on my list. You can agree or you can type your own on the text line, double eight, double three. This is our choices flooring poll. Who is the cricket's best showman at the moment? One, David Warner. Oh, I'm sure that probably won't get any votes, but we'll see. David Warner. Number two, Virat Kohli. Virat Kohli, he's a wow, he's like a super, super, superstar over in India. And wow, he's got some swagger. He's got the one earring in. He's always wearing some Versace glasses or something. He's got a little bit of style about him. And then we've got to go to the grafters, the battlers, the one that just really grind away. Neil Wagner. Neil Wagner. When he's on the field, we saw him when he took that wicket in that last test against South Africa. His bright face, puffed out cheeks. Just the grit and determination he shows. Neil Wagner. And then we've got Love, Manus Lovashane. Oh, hopefully I said that right. Man, that is, that is the hardest name to say, but Manus Lovashane. And then we've got Andre Russell. We had to put a West Indian in there because they are, for me, the greatest showmen. So you've got Dwayne Bravo, champion. You've got Chris Gale. And now you've got Andre Russell. Andre Russell is currently playing. So he is a part of our list. That is our Choices Flooring Poll. Who is Cricket's best showman at the moment? David Warner, Virat Kohli, Neil Wagner, Manus Lubbershane, and Andre Russell. That is your Choices Flooring Poll. It's now exclusively on the SENZ app. Follow the same process you would when listening on the app. Just tap Listen Live to Baz and Izzy, and the poll will appear. Get your votes in. Get your votes in. What do you reckon? For you... Who was the greatest show? Who was your in your when you know your time as coaching playing Kempe? Who was the greatest showman in, in your day? In oh, your era? Mate, Clint Tupi had to go close with that hair hairdo down the sideline oh, that time when he yes. looked like Coolio. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was something yes. that was something out of left field. I remember when he showed up to the game. I was like, "Man, that's a big statement." You know, like it's t- the TV's mm. on you, and you, you know what happened? He went out and he did his he stepped someone did his right knee and had to spend the rest of the game on the sideline with the cameras in his face. And I was sitting there next to him going, "Yeah, no, I don't think you'll ever put that hairdo on again." Um, <laughs> Henry Fafili. 
Oh yeah, Henry was well. He he loved to he loved the the king of the Troy celebrations, wasn't he? You know, Henry. Um, oh, yeah. He put he put on plenty of them. He he brought that to a new level in New Zealand when they those started coming out. Henry would spend hours uh, working on what his next Troy celebration was. Um, players I played with, you know, I used to I used to like the guys that could sing, mate. You know, like you. Not only were they mm. good on the football field, but if they had a voice off it, they were um, pretty good to hang around with because they could they could bat out a tune or two. And Kevin Edel was probably the best that I I played with. Um, you know, didn't mind didn't mind whacking out the old boys to men or someone like that. You know, he had a really good voice, and 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 then you get it on the field and they had had the nickname the Beast. You know, and just beasted you when you when mm. you were playing against them or with them. So, um, but there's a few. The show the showmans are. You know they're they're a must to have in your team. I, I think I think mm. you would have come across plenty if you weren't one yourself. Izzy Dagger, <laughs> Izzy Dagger. Ah, oh, look, oh yeah, Julian Savia. He was a bit of a showman, mate. He could uh, swagger off the field, very very styly with how he would dress. His dress sense was spot on. Uh, when he was on the field, he had a presence and awe about him. Um, just you know the way that he moved around the field, it just looked nice and silky. So those are the guys you look at and you're like, man, that just looks so effortless. But then you look on the other side of it and you need the grafters, the grinders, the Kevin Mialamus, the Richie McCaws, the guys that just go to war, go to battle every single time they come off and they've got cut heads, whereas all the showmans come off, mate, they look like they've got a little blade of grass on them, the boots are still clean. <laughs> which, eh? one, which one were you, mate? Which one were you? Uh, <laughs> I was the latter. I was the latter for sure, bro. I was... Um, I never got dirty, and look, whenever my hair used to go uh, couldn't catch out of place, you, eh? I'd be in the... Nah, couldn't catch me, mate. Couldn't catch me. Look, you need them. Like you said, you need that balance in the side. It's um, it's it's total. You can't have everyone being the same. You need someone to bring a bit of difference, a bit of energy, and uh, they're hugely vital to for a, um, uh, an environment that needs to succeed. But right away, that's enough of that, showman. There's our choices. Flooring poll. Head over to Baz and Izzy on the, the app, and you can vote. Well, that coming up, we're going to chat to Lance O'Sullivan. We want to chat the Derby Day back to back wins. Asterix, $46 shot, winning the Derby over the creek. We'll let Tony Kemp boss that. We'll be back shortly. Listen to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Morning, guys. Hey, morning, Lance. There must have been a thrill for you on Saturday getting that up. Oh, huge thrill. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, we sort of, especially when it wasn't, wasn't really expected. Oh, mate, I was. Um Having having ridden a couple of winners yourself and then getting the last two, what's what what is it in the Derby, Lance? Like you know, everyone was talking about La Creek, just you know being being the the star fully um, of the show and the Derby and just going to be too good for everyone. What is it about the Derby? Is it is it the distance? Is it you know what makes what makes it so hard to train a Derby winner? Oh look, it's it's a, the Derby's a tough race. You know, it's sort of um, you know it's, it's you know, it's arguably our most prestigious race in New Zealand. Um, it's certainly got the biggest prize attached to it. But, you know, a, a lot of horses, uh, three odds, are run sort of 2,000 metres, 2,100 metres, but it's the last 300 metres that really finds them out. And Ellerslie is a pretty testing track. It's sort of undulating up, uphill and down, down a little bit, and um, the pressure goes on a long way out. And I, I think the, probably the undoing of a lot of horses, and I think we saw that on Saturday, was there's a big run to the first corner. They start at the top of the mm. straight, and they just run hard down the straight. And, um, you know, that's exactly what happened on the weekend. They ran it hard, and uh, I think it was the fourth quickest 
derby in the last 136 years. So it let you know it was sort of run at a, you know, stamina came out in the end. But the filly, look, she was unlucky. She had, she didn't have a lot of luck at all. Yeah, uh, Lance Sullivan is on the line with Baz and Izzy for breakfast. But we've got Tony Kempin. Thank you very much for joining us. 600,000 to be precise. So you'll be up and about happy about that <laughs> little little fill up, Lance. So congratulations. Back to back wins well, in the okay. derby. Look, <laughs> you spoke about it. You weren't yeah. expecting it. Sure, uh, you, got uh, a, you got a chance. Well, you're, in, you're in with the chance. Uh, Did you? Look, what was the message to Jonathan uh, Parks before that? Oh, look, 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 we just, we just said, look, look, ride, ride, ride them quite through the first half of the race. They're going to they're gonna sort of run it pretty hard, as they normally do. Um, although it didn't mm. look like it on paper. It looked like there wasn't a lot of speed in the race at all. But they always run the derby hard. And uh, we said, look, just go back on them. I think, I think uh, with our horse, he hadn't really had a derby preparation. You know, he's only had three runs in his life, a 14, a mile, and then a 2,100. And, you know, it's sort of hardly a derby prep, you know, and, and we... We just relied on his genes at the end of the day. But, um, you know, I think the biggest concern we had was that he would do things wrong during the run. But we sort of, um, you know, the way he was written, bad luck was taken out of the equation, sat, sat back and went around them all. Yeah, becoming the Bart Cummings of the New Zealand derby there, Lance. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? Like, what's, your quirk, what's your quirky training technique with your horses there to just getting them over the line? You know, you're two in a row, oh. mate. It's, it's hard enough to get one, yeah. one derby winner. Yeah, look, I don't know about the bark coming to the derby. I've got a very, very good training partner in Andrew Scott, and he's actually, that was his fourth derby success. He won, of course, two uh, nice. in his um, prior partnership. So it was probably him, actually. But no, look, look I, think, I think, you know, a lot of those big races are won, uh, you know, in the, in the sale ring. You know, you've got to buy the right horses. You know, um, you know they've got to have the right genes, the right pedigree. Uh, the right type, the right temperament. There's quite a bit to it. So, you know, um, you know, derbies are actually won and lost today in the sale ring, and you know, everybody's trying to buy that next elusive champion or whatever. But, you know, it certainly starts right back back at uh, the yearling sales. Oh, Lance, we're going to have to let you go because Louis Herman Watts, that's you at the Caraca sales, and he might be leading us into because I've correct me if I'm wrong. Asterix's sister is for sale tomorrow over the next couple of days so you'll be up and about about that and we'll get a little lead in from Louis Herman Watt but congratulations on on back-to-back wins in the derby you and your training partner Andrew Scott and uh, congratulations again thanks so much for coming on the show we're gonna have to let you go thanks very much Lance pleasure thanks guys there you go that was Lance O'Sullivan uh, former jockey he's ridden a few winners in the derby and now he's training back-to-back winners with his training partner Andrew Scott it's great to have a wee chat to him. Nice and quick. Sorry about that. We have to get off because we want to chat to Louie. That's what he's up to. He's over at Cracker Million Sale, uh, Cracker Sales, and he's just going to give us a little lead into what's going on. Back shortly. Yes, Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SNZ. We're a couple of minutes away from Emma and the 8 o'clock news. Wow, since Louie's left, it's all been going down. How are you, Louie? I'm good, Izzy. Let's bring some professionalism back, shall we? Should we, should we try Should we try <laughs> yes. Titans? Don't worry, there's a, there's a huddle coming up, boys. There's a huddle coming up at 8 o'clock. We're going to have a huddle okay, at 8 right. o'clock. We're well, look, look speaking, speaking of professionalism, I'm out here, t- I'm out here today uh, at New Zealand Bloodstocks Complex, Karaka, with TRKL Racing. Uh, thanks to them. Look, they are the most professional outfit when it comes to syndication racing in New Zealand, as far as I'm concerned. They've done it on a large scale for a long time. So appreciate their support getting us out here today. Now, 
when you walk on the complex at New Zealand Bloodstock today, the first thing, the smell. Oh my God, isn't it good to be back mm. here? The yearlings, the manure, the beautiful plants, <laughs> the, the old wood, the, the trees. Every, oh, no, it's, it's, it's hard to explain until you get here. It all just kind of melts into this oh, one. Just, you, mate. It's, it's, it's mm. the New Zealand Bloodstock Karaka yearling sales. Now, it is an absolute picture. The groundskeepers have done such a good job as they always do. Uh, we're a little bit more into autumn, so the trees are a slightly different tinge than it usually is in January. Absolutely loving it. Before I left you guys, I said I would let you know who we can watch out for in the big players today in the ring. Yep. Um, well, Tiaka are helping us get out here today for a few different updates. Well, they are going to be the big dogs on campus. David Ellis, DC Ellis, he's been the top purchaser here for however many years. He is the titan of the sales ring. When Steve Davis opens the and puts the gavel down for the first time, there's a good chance it could be DC if he likes what he sees. Um, but it's not just David Ellis. And there's a couple of interesting lots and or buyers to watch this year. One would be Andrew Forsman. Murray Baker is retiring. Forsman Baker, they've been a partnership for a long time. Andrew Forsman is going to find his new identity taking over the Baker Racing uh, stables. So he's going to need to buy and he's got different clients and he wants to pre he wants to have pre-bought horses or, or pre-purchased horses that or that he can um, can kind of go and buy that he knows what he's looking for. Stephen Marsh, he'll be looking to go bang. Tony Pike, well, he's a newly um, registered mm-hmm. syndicator. So that means that he can be now selling shares into his horses rather than, you know, lots of different people, kind of like your Go Racings and your Tiakos. Well, Go Racing, they'll be going big. Then you've got the Australians. Bjorn Baker's back. We've got Trent and Natalie um, mm. over from Melbourne. Then we've got, you know, your Andy Williams, the different agents. It's going to be huge today. Out here, thanks to Tiaka. Watch for them to go bang nice and early. Oh, and I've just seen Roger James go past. Him and Robert Wellwood, they'll be stuck in too, boys. It's a huge one. Oh, busy, busy morning for you, Louis. What lot? What lot can we expect to go bang? Give us one number. No, I'll be back at quarter to nine, and then you'll find out. Oh, you're making us wait, mate. Oh, that's how you do it, eh? That's how you just keep everyone on the listening, uh, on the app, waiting for us to get through. Now, appreciate your little update, Louis. Have a good morning. Get a wee update at quarter to nine here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Coming up, we're going to talk to Craig McMillan. Have a chat to him, remembering Warney. And then we'll chat over to, well, we'll head over and chat to Paul Malati. Anyway, we're off to track down some McCafe coffees now. Here's Emma with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Test at home with results in 15 minutes with HealGen COVID rapid antigen tests from Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We've got Tony Kemp in the house. It's just after 8 o'clock and it's Monday, the 7th of March. We're going to whip this home like asterisks in the home straight of the derby. Great to have Lance O'Sullivan on the show. Back-to-back derby wins and uh, great to hear from Louis as well. He's out at the Caracas sales, uh, courtesy of the team at Tiako. Awesome, awesome. David Ellis, he might go bang. Today we'll get a wee update at about quarter to nine about uh, what's been going on. We've had a few uh, messages come through from Dave, and he is in Caracas. He says lot 110, Bella Dunsus, Little Avondale Stud. It's a bay cult. So there you go. And he's got a couple of numbers as well that I'll get to later on when I go down. Because now we're going to have a wee chat. We're going to talk about it. We spoke about our first hour. We t- we're remembering the great Shane Warne, Shane Keith Warne. Um, they are having a state funeral for him in Melbourne, in Victoria, potentially at MCG. 
and obviously the great news that uh, they are remembering and paying homage to to the great man um, Shane Keith Warne. They are naming the South Stand of the MCG, the SK Warne Stand, which is uh, just an honour of what he was able to do throughout his cricketing career on the on the field particular, but also off it, inspiring the next generation. And we're going to have a chat to someone that's um, <clears throat> shared the field with, with Warney and probably the golf course as well because he loves golf and uh, we all knew that Warney loved golf. It's time to celebrate the life of the king, the man many labelled as larger than life. It can't be described as anything less than a shock. Last week, the falling of Rod Marsh was felt by many across Australia and New Zealand, but no one would have expected uh, what was to follow. The passing of the great Shane Warne, Warney, age 52, it is still hard to believe. The tributes have flowed thick and fast from former teammates and competitors from all around the world. Former Black Cap Craig McMillan is with us on the line now to share his thoughts and memories and celebrate the life of the great man, the King, Shane Warne. Warney Macca. Morning, Izzy. How are you, bud? Um, I, I guess you're a bit like all of us and just still in, in utter shock with what's happened over the weekend. Not only Rod Marsh... Um, you know, the first it was Rod Marsh, and we know what the impact he had on world cricket. And now Shane Warne, um, how are you, mate? Yeah, it's been a tough weekend, actually, is it? And still getting used to the news, that, that terrible news that we all found out on Saturday, which you just don't expect, do you? Um, Warne is one of those larger-than-life characters, and the age of 52 is far too young. So, um, yeah, it's, it's slowly sinking in, but um, very, very sad. Yeah. Look, we've been reflecting throughout the morning, and and this is from a fan's point of point of view. Um, just the impact he was, you know, able to have on people's lives, and you know, the superstar stardom effect that he was able to instill in, in cricket fans around the world. And I was a fan growing up. I always used to, I was, used to bowl right arm, medium fast, and then when every now often I'd go out to the backyard and pretend I was Shane Warne. Tell us about your your memories and and your kind of moments that you've had uh, with the great king and when when Shane Warne comes to your mind what, what's the first thing that pops up um, just the ultimate um, showman who, who loved being the centre of attention and loved being in the middle of a cricket mm. ground showing off his skills in front of 40, 50, 60,000 90,000 at the MCG was probably his, his favourite place to be um, and just mm. like you as I, I was a fan to begin with and then very quickly found myself been on the same ground and actually facing him, which was a bit surreal, to be honest. Um, but he was just—he was just the best, you know. Batting against him, I played my first test against Australia at Brisbane, and um, and in the bowling attack, Australia had SK Warne and, and Glenn McGrath, two of the greats, and, and so oh. all of a sudden you've been watching them on TV, um, you know, loving the way that they play, listening to Channel 9, talk them up, and then all of a sudden you've got the fern on your, <laughs> on your chest and, and you're playing against them in the middle. So that that's I look back on that now and that was pretty cool. And I consider myself really lucky that I played in an era where we had some of the greatest bowlers, some of the greatest players of all time, and we were able to go up and at times match those guys, but more often than not they, um, they certainly came out on top. Hey, Mac, it's Kempi, mate. The... The Warne era and all of the stunning players that played in that era, you know, especially in that Australian team, always um, when I was watching sort of struck me as there's quite a bit of banter that it looked like going out there. What was Warne like in the banter stakes? 
Morning, Kempe. Yeah, he was up there. Um, it was fair to say that that Aussie side was so good and, and dominated that they, they gave out plenty of lip as they went along. Um, and, and it was difficult at times to come back. But we always tried to give a little bit back. Um, generally, you had Warnie bowling. Mac has got lip. That was the tough thing. Oh, yeah. Look, I didn't mind having the odd word, but my, my, my lip was pretty poor compared to some of the others. But um, you have to say that they had plenty of other guys that were sort of doing Warney's work because he was um, had the ball on a string and was making life pretty tough to, for you to score a run at the other end and, and they were just chipping away you knew that your number was up at some stage. That was probably the worst thing about facing him is that you knew that he was not far away from getting you out. You knew that one of his balls had your name on it and it was just yeah. how long does it take? What am I going to try and do to turn this around? So I tried to attack him at times um, very rarely did it come off um, but it was always then <laughs> Bad. And I think Warnie appreciated that. Like he was, you know, I think he was, you know, he was an aggressive leg spin bowler, and um, he wasn't a passive leg spinner. Or he got into the game was aggressive with the way he went about trying to get you out, and um, and so it always made it entertaining. There was always something happening whenever he had the ball in hand. Gilly spoke about it. That was probably his greatest uh, moment in his career was wicket keeping against um, against Wish, uh Shane Warne's bowling and and just the the mm. art that he was able to do, mate. Could you could you pick it? Can you can you remember those moments when you had to face him? Could you pick the flipper? Could you pick the one that's going three meters down the leg stump and popping back to the to the off stump? Could you? Was he just that much of a wizard? Yeah, he was a wizard. Um, the flipper because we all grew up watching him bowl the flipper to all those Pommy batters, um, South Africa as well. Yeah. None of them could pick it. Some of the West Indians as well. I remember Richie Richardson <laughs> going back to a flipper that just rocked into middle stump. So we all grew up seeing the flipper. Um, yeah, it was hard to pick. It wasn't. It was the one that you're always looking out for, to be honest. Um, he never really turned his wrong end because he had some issues with his shoulder. So the wrong end wasn't a big turner, but it was his leg spinner that, mm. you know, he could slow up. He could um, get to bounce. Um, he would mix his pace up beautifully. He just had it on a string. And very quickly, I remember him, um, because I did get to know him um, off the field as well, which I feel very privileged to have done. Over the years, we played a lot against one another. And then in 2005, he rang me up during the winter. And he was captain of Hampshire over in England playing county cricket. He said, we need a player. We need a pro for a little while. Do you want to come over and play? And, of course, whenever SK Warren rings you up in the middle of a New Zealand winter and says, do you want to come and play for us, you jump at it. So um, I was lucky enough to play in the same side as him um, for a period of time in England. And that experience was something that um, I just loved. It was just amazing. He would have been one of the greatest captains, I reckon, world cricket's seen because his knack, his strength was, was that he made... Um, those around him feel like they were better than what they were. So we had a pretty good team, but whenever you're on the field with Shane Warne, all of a sudden, it's like you went to another level. And so watching that influence amongst the team, and we won games that we had no right to win, but because Shane Warne was our captain and he had belief in the whole team, we actually managed to pull off some pretty remarkable wins. So that was pretty special, spending time with him in England and just seeing him go about his work. That's that's a that's a great story. That's a great story to hear that he, he was he could actually pull that off. As um, I mean, Gary Kimball said that about Olsen Filipino when he hopped on the bus in the old Auckland days and they're travelling down to Huntley to play Waikato. When he said, "Oh, the first person they looked yep. for was Olsen Filipino," and said, "Yep, yeah, Olsen's on the bus. We'll win today." 
um, that type of <laughs> that that type of bloke Warney was. You mu- you must also Macca have some stories then if you went and played with him in England about the old what do they call it the cock and ball a couple of pubs up there in in Hampshire surely. What was it? What was a lot? What was it like hanging out with him? Uh, it was pretty cool, Kempe. Look, he was a very generous guy, and one of, one of the things that one of the things that probably hasn't been spoken enough about him is just how much work he did for charity and stuff off the field, and and the amount of time yeah. he gave to other people, you know, who just wanted a little piece of him. Um, and and we saw that. Um, it never got reported because they generally weren't the stories that were selling papers for um, <laughs> for, for um, the news people, but. Um, you know, yeah. we had a lot of fun. That was the thing. He was a great storyteller. Um, and he, you know, it was only 52 years old, but he crammed a lot into those 52 years, let me tell you that. I'll tell you one thing. Um, <laughs> we were touring, New Zealand were touring Aussie, and um, we were playing Aussie in some one days, and uh, got a call from him. This is early 2000s. And he said, oh, I'm having a poker night, because he really got into his poker. And um, oh, yeah. he loved poker, so he was just getting into it. And it was early 2000s. He said, oh, you and Dan come over to my house. I've got a poker night going on. Um, we were supposed to be playing a one-day international like two days later. It's like, shit, yeah, we're in. We're in. So me and Vittori, so we got this car. We turned up to Warney's house. It was the best night ever. Like, he had about eight of us there. He had Joe Hashem, who was um, won the World Series of Poker in 2005. Yeah, yeah. So he, Joe Hashem was, he was basically teaching Warney how to play poker and going. So just the best night. Storytelling, just. Turn up at his place, he's got 23, which is his number he wore on the back of his shirt, 23 tiled into his pool, this big flash pool, and it's got 23 tiled oh. in the middle of it. It was just the most amazing <laughs> night. You think back now, you think, how cool was that? We got rung up, he invited us over, and we just played poker till like 2 in the morning. Um, we had training early the next morning. I'm sure me and Dan were a little bit dusty, but it's one of those nights you just look back on. So that, <laughs> that was pretty cool, playing poker with Shane Warne. Oh. Oh, awesome, awesome. I'm sure there was a little bit more detail that can come from that. I'll, I'll, I'll get a little lead in on Wednesday. We might have to add to that story come Wednesday on the golf course. Hey, Mecca, what, what was he like on the golf course, mate? I'm sure, sure you might have shared the fairways with him or, uh, you know, a bit of a golfer too as well. Hey, he loved the game of golf. Did he? What is he? Yeah, he loved golf. It was came over here a number of times, didn't he, to Queenstown and played in the New Zealand mm. Open. Um and played up in uh, Scotland, didn't he, at the Dunhill Links at St Andrews? Yeah, he was he was a golf nuffy, really, wasn't he? Um, he he was he was giddy too, wasn't he? Wasn't he off about eight or nine or something like that, and, and got down yeah. at times. But he just he just it was his, I think one of those things that relaxed him actually, where he could have a bit of fun. He always had a fag in the mouth, didn't he? You know, and that's the thing about Warney. <laughs> um, what you saw is what you got. There was no ears or graces. It was he was the same as. You know, when he grew up, he didn't change with all the fame and all the adulation that came his way. He was the same man all the way through. Yep, had his faults and obviously some controversies that um, got singled out over the years. But to those that knew him and were mates with him, he was very generous and very loyal. So um, he was a great guy. Mate, can you, just quickly before we let you go, the magnitude of what he was able to achieve in the game of cricket and particularly in the Test matches, 708 wickets he took. Mutai Malithran is only one ahead of him, so two of the great spinners. But can you just explain how difficult that is to achieve and do you feel like there will be anyone that will come close to those two, particularly Shane Warne, 708? Uh, good question. Is um, The thing for me about Shane Warne that, 
that marks his greatness is the impact he had on the game of cricket. And when he mm. came in to test cricket in the early 90s, spin bowling was dying. It was an art form that was basically on the way out. And all of a sudden, he made it cool. He made it fun to do again. Um, and all of a sudden, you had kids, instead of wanting to be fast bowlers and run and bowl as quick as they could, they wanted to be leg spinners. And, and leg spinning, is those that play cricket, is the hardest thing to to do it's the hardest art it is really difficult um so he made yeah. it he made it cool he made it fun he made it look easy at times when it's really not it's difficult um and all of a sudden he changed the persona of cricket because i think cricket was always perhaps in those early years seen as a bit boring um a bit stale played by certain guys and all of a sudden warney brought a bit of a fizz a bit of a um, razzmatazz to the game and I think that's just continued yeah. on through and he really started that didn't he he had the blonde tips in the hair and giving guys a send off you know he just brought a bit of fun a bit of yeah. excitement to the game so I reckon that's his greatness and, and there's no doubt that he's had perhaps one of the greatest impacts on the game that anyone in the world has yeah, no, we appreciate it, mate. You're spot on. You uh, just changed the game. You make people enjoy it, not for what he was doing on the field, but particularly off it, mate. He's a character, larger than life, and uh, I was lucky enough to meet yep. him once, mate. Really appreciate your time on the show, reflecting on the great Shane Warne. Shane Keith Warne, and uh, appreciate your time, Macca. Thanks very much, bud. My, my pleasure. Thanks, boys. Cheers. There we go. That was Craig McMillan talking about Shane Warne and uh, just the larger-than-life figure. He will be sorely missed. We're going to come back shortly. Uh, Baz, our skip McCullum, has got a wee tribute to Warney. You'll listen to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Yeah, look, obviously I was shocked like the rest of you know the cricketing world or not just the cricketing world but all the world who had the opportunity to have been um, blessed by their time and and um, you know, involvement with with Warney, um, and when news came through that that the King, as he was so affectionately known, had kind of left the building for the final time, I just was gutted. You know, like just I was shocked firstly, but then just gutted, and took a little while for it to really to really sink in because I Warney just had <laughs> he was you know, he didn't live the purest of lives, no doubt, but you know he just. He, he had this inv- this air of invincibility around him, which uh, I always thought, you know, he'd just he'd be able to live long and defy all <laughs> all personal choices, and you know, to to hear that, you know, he he had passed away and um, was pretty pretty gutting, and you know, I'd initially a sort of real sorrow and sadness and then quickly sort of yeah, shake yourself into gear because you know that that's not what Warney would have wanted you to think about him either. He wouldn't want you to be filled with sorrow and sadness. He'd want you to remember the good times and, and the experiences that you had together. And, you know, I was very lucky whilst we were in a sort of different generation cricketers. Um, you know, he, he was sort of towards the latter stage of his career he was a mega star when I when I got the opportunity to meet him. Um, you know, he never. You always knew he was a big star, and and he always had the presence of a big star. But he never made you feel like that. He never made you. He never belittled you. He never. Um, he always made you feel like you were uh, his equal in and around him. If he liked you, he was incredibly loyal and just such an amazing human being to spend time around. Um, 
yeah, just had such a magnificent impact on on people, and I, I was lucky enough that that he liked me, so so we got time to spend together away from cricket fields, probably more so in and around um, golf courses and the New Zealand Open in particular, where we got to spend a lot of time together. And you know, I just loved I loved being in Warney's presence because you know he, he just made life fun. He just made you laugh constantly. You know. It was sort of a lot of it was self-deprecating as well, which in a in its own way was incredibly endearing. Having this huge superstar that um, that was sort of self-deprecating and and trying to bring himself down to your level so that you felt comfortable, which is quite an incredible trait in itself. You know, like just a, a incredible human being, and you know, such a huge loss for our for our game. It's 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 such a huge loss for. For all those that that were able to spend time with them, and I think we've all seen with the outpouring of of affection and and you know love for Warnie since the news came through, I think that shows just how great an impact he had on so many people. And you know, yeah, he was a champion cricketer, no doubt. You know, once in a generation, probably, arguably the greatest cricketer ever, because he could do things that others simply couldn't, and he did it by entertaining. But to me, it's the impact he made as a human being and. And and how he made you feel in his presence, which was the most significant thing. Um, I do remember when we were down. I thought oh, back when I was smoking as well. I thought I would try and keep up with the king. And he uh, he sort of he asked. He said to me, "Are you going to buy some fags?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm going to buy some fags." He said, "Can you get me some for today?" I was like, "Yeah, no worries." I said, what do you want? You want one? Or you just want one box? He said, no, 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 four boxes. Four boxes what I need for the day. <laughs> I thought, sheepers, creepers, that's pretty aggressive. <laughs> that was the king, you know, always to always to the limits. And that's just, you know, his personality. And, ah, yeah, just such a loss, you know. He, um, he really is. And thoughts go out to all of his family and, his kids will no doubt be doing it really, really tough right now, and yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll be reminiscing about the the good times, um, reminiscing about all the the laughs and the fun stories, and and you know, I know that that's what Warney would have wanted all of us to be doing. Um, yeah, just a huge, huge loss, and certainly makes you makes you sort of, you know, in the last couple of days reached out to a lot of guys who you played with and, and against and who you value their friendships and the times that you've spent together and the memories you've been able to create and and we'll certainly be trying to um, trying to do trying to catch up more often and try and create more special memories together because you know life is short and, and that's what Warnie would have wanted. He wanted would have wanted all of us to to have used this or have to appreciate his passing for um, that exact thing, to spend more time with your loved ones and with those who make you laugh and make you smile and and make you feel good about yourself, and and that's got to be the greatest. It's got to be the greatest uh, compliment to to a great man. So yeah, he certainly he is going to be missed absolutely, and uh, we just hope that the king is resting in peace. There you go, that was uh, Skip Baz McCullum, good friends uh, of the King, Shane Warren. You could hear it in his voice. Um, yeah, he's pretty hurt, old Skip, and uh, we appreciate him 
putting those uh, kind words together, remembering Shane Warne and telling a few yarns. Um, I have to add to that yarn, that story about going to get the darts. Actually, Baz tried to keep up with him and got left in smoke, as they must say. So, um, <laughs> look, he was a larger-than-life character. And, and, look, his family will be hurting. Um, Jackson, Summer and Brooke, his, uh, his young kids. And I think when you look at it from the outside, Kempe, you look at you see this guy and how he's portrayed in the media. He was a partier. He was a uh, you know a socializer. He was always out there and about. He was always on the front pages of all the media outlets. But the one thing you can't take away from him, mate, and the one thing I learnt from from the things I've seen is he loved his kids and he was always there for his kids, no matter what was going on, all the breakups, whatever. He would always be there for his kids, Brooke, Jackson, and Summer, and. Uh, I know they'll be hurting uh, in this, mate. We've all got kids, and um, we want to be there forever and, and be around them. Uh, I lost my mum earlier, and it's uh, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible situation. But like everyone has said, we, we, Warnie wouldn't want us to be down and, and, and moping around. We want to celebrate his life, his successes on the court, on the field, and the larger-than-life character off it. Um, great to have a wee chat there to, to Bear Skip McCullum. Uh, we miss you, brother. We hope you're doing okay. And I know all your colleagues out there will be uh, rejoicing and celebrating the great life of Shane Keith Warren. That was Baz Skip McCullum. Appreciate it. We're going to shoot off to Emma with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Thank you, Emma, for the news. It's now time for our Choices Flooring poll results. I've gone through and had a wee look, and wow, this will probably amaze you. A lot of faithful out there, faithful Kiwis getting on the on the SEN app and Baz and Izzy for breakfast and looking at the Choices Flooring poll. And wow, in last place, no surprises, David Warner. But this is a surprise with Andre Russell there on 9%. And then we have... Uh, Manus Lavashane on 10 cent, just above them. And then third to last, we have Virat. No, second to last. Second from the top, I should say. Virat Kohli. He has got 18% of the votes. And then Neil Wagner. And Neil Wagner. He is on 54%. So he has had all of our vote, votes for who is the biggest showman currently in the game of cricket. Uh, we had Jardasia as well on the text machine coming through. Jardasia, he plays for England. He's got a bit of swagger. That is just reminiscent about Shane Warne. He was the biggest showman in cricket, and we were trying to find who is now the biggest showman in. They've gone for Neil Wagner. There you go. Thanks, everyone, that has voted on the Choices Flooring poll. Choices Flooring Room Viewing Program. Take the guesswork out of cho- choosing flooring. Upload your favourite floor Today, it's now time to have a wee chat for our, uh, to Paulie Mwari for our TAB Live catch-up. Time for a TAB Live update. Bit live on your favourite sports with the TAB app today. And we've got Paulie Mwati on the line. Morena, Paulie. Yeah, good morning, boys. How are you, brother? What have you got oh. for us? Well, Serenade us. Um, you got a song for us or something? What do you got? Well, well, well I've... I'm singing into the bank account because once again the the breakfast boys have stopped another hot favourite. <laughs> Last year it was Zaki. They've stopped the perfect pink. They've stopped the creek. Fair mm. income. It's almost like you're undercover agents for us. 
I stopped Animo too, mate. I backed Animo in our oh. multi-buster last week. Oh, no. Wow, we. Look, I, I can tell you there are a couple of very, very happy punters, though, with uh, Asterix winning the New Zealand Derby. Now, the biggest bet we had on Asterix was a $250 bet at 31s, um, but there were some wow. other um, $100 bets at prices ranging from 31 to 51 So uh, there are a few punters that walked away with a bit of cash with Asterix getting up there. Of course, La Creek, who... She's a freak. Um, to be yeah. able to... Uh, run the equal fastest first 400 and then the fastest last 200. Um, she gets any sort of a run in the derby and she, and she wins, but take nothing away from the her training feat of the o- O'Sullivan-Scott team. That was brilliant with Asterix, mm. but um, I'm sure La Creek has lost no admirers whatsoever. She she was huge. Uh, a weekend like that, for you, the tab, mate, when obviously the big favourites here and, and across the ditch, they get pipped on the line. Are you, are you jumping up and down, or do you want to see uh, the punters have a good day? What was your emotions and feelings like after the weekend? Oh, it, it depends. If I pick the favourite, then I'm very, very keen to see the favourite get up myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't care how much we're losing on it at work, but... Um, <laughs> in, uh, in the end, I just I like to see the best horses uh, going head to head and um, giving it all they've got, and then the best horse winning, which I think we saw with sort of state um, going having a ding dong battle mm. with um, what was it? I wish I win, and mm. sort of state just being a wee bit too uh, good on the day. That was a fantastic uh, race there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm more of a. I'd like to see every horse get a fair go, and then uh, and, and then the best one win on the day. So hopefully, and I think most of the time we do see that happen. So mm. that's what I like to see. Match match race. There's a great match race for sort of state, um, Paulie. What what do you reckon? Go take it. You if you own the horse, you take it Aussie. I'd hope if I was uh, uh, in the one of the connections, I'd be very very uh, keen on seeing sort of state head over the uh, ditch and try and. Uh, bring back some of that those Australian dollars big time. Yeah, and what about on the bubbles? What about a, a couple of those other young... Um, I, I think this year, with Jamie Richards in the stable that he's got, and some of those other other good two, three-year-olds, you know, Seamus, I, I think Seamus has just been sold up to Hong Kong, um, hasn't he? I, they, what do you think about... What's the TAB's future look like for stakes to try and hold some of those horses here? Yeah, well, obviously, uh, you'd know uh, whether Seamus was gone. Surely you're, you'd be the first person outside of uh, um, outside of Taranaki at the moment that would know if Seamus had gone. But yeah, I, I guess um, trying to get those state levels up to keep all those classy uh, two and three year olds here as, as long as we can um, would just enhance the industry uh, no length whatsoever. So. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a bit of a balance, but um, I think, yeah, we do need to try and sort of maximise those stakes as much as we can, so that we get uh, keep the best horses here in New Zealand for as long as we can. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for your little update there, Paulie Moati. Uh, that was our TAB Live catch-up promotions and play in hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit da, uh, tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. 
Paulie will be back on the show tomorrow. Keep an eye out, Paulie, later in the week. A tissue's racing. But I won't pump it up. I won't put it up. It's racing on Saturday. But, yeah, just keep an eye on those odds for the TAB, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. That was Paulie Moari. Uh, we're going to go off for a wee break. And after the break, we're going to catch up with Louis Herman Watt, who maybe will tell us about us a lot that is going to go for big, big money. Well, he said he was. We'll see what's going to come out of his mouth anyway. Shortly, we'll be back shortly. Listen to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Kimbers. We ask great savings every day. Morning, you're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We're 15 minutes away from nine. And, well, we're going to have a wee catch up with Louis Herman Watt, who was at the Caracas sales. How are you, Louis? What's happening, brother? Izzy, I'm doing so well. Kempi, first morning for you, mate. You'll be absolutely uh, probably fired up. Used to doing those big four-hour shifts in summer, mate. Three hours, just just too good. Just, Flying just through, mate. Of... Flying through. Yeah, that, that's right. Hey, okay, a couple of important things. Tiaka is New Zealand's number one champion stable. They will have shares available all throughout the day as soon as they start buying. Eight-time Karakamillion winners. We remember what happened with Dynastic earlier this year, so... They love to try and buy those up-and-running two-year-olds. Now, Izzy, when I left you last time, you said, give me a lot number. And you were quite demanding, actually. Mm. Um, mm. So what I, what, I did, what I did is I went and banged on the managing director's door here, Andy Seabrook. I said, Andy, Baz might be in Australia, but Izzy needs the mail. He's asked for, you, he's asked for the mail. I need to come back with something. You're going to have to give me something. And he told me practically to piss off and do my own work. So <laughs> I stuck my book into the book, and I, I stuck my nose, my big beak, into the book, and I've come up with a few numbers for you, all right? And we're going to go in mm, numerical yep. order, order. And yep. Yep. Look, lot, lot, not you know the one of the nuances about these sales is it's hard to be a sale topper or the kind of big bang sale. If you, geez, there's a famous man, Steve Davis. God, he's you he can hear him warming up his oh, his vocal cords. All right, um, well, lot, give lot, it to us, hard. sell us it. Okay, lot give number us your ten. Here's one voice. For, lot number ten. Here's one for you. I should be getting Steve to read this out, really. 10 and 11. Oh, there he goes. 10 and 11. See, I'm not too far off yet. Lot number 10. Savabil Colt out of the Achiever, who won three times herself and is very well related. Izzy, you're going to love this. This dam, this mare, she's related and she's bred by the Dennis brothers. So she's related to the chosen one and she is a full sister to the dam of the perfect pink. So you know that the family can gallop. You know the family can gallop. And you think about it. There's another little filly going around called Achieve. Robert Wellwood and Roger James train. You re- where do you recognize that name from? Well, she ran a huge third in the weekend in the Sunline Vars. So she's right in the market for the Oaks. And so is the Perfect Pink. And now it's a Savabil Colt out of an O'Reilly mare. Savabil had a little bit of brilliance. I think this Colt's going to go bang. As Andy pointed out to me, though, it's hard for kind of those early lot numbers to be the sale toppers because people are a little bit cautious people are kind of waiting mm. a little bit don't want to spend all their cash but i reckon that's going to go huge and now the next one for you izzy and kempi is lot 161 moanga's full younger brother expect fireworks expect baz to be on the phone throwing around that usd that ipl rupee uh mm. this one's going to go huge um the the savabil colt out of chandelier and I don't know, when you were playing with Dan Carter, Desi is, did he ever mention that he owned a racehorse to you? <laughs> uh, yes, he did. I can't remember where. What, he did, what, what is it? Has he got one it's of these? The, it's the dam. 
of Moonga and Moonga's full brother. So Chandelier, the mum here, oh, Dan yes. apparently he won a he won a claybird shooting contest out at Waikato Stud. So Mark Chaddock threw him ten percent of Chandelier, who started favourite in the Oaks. This 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 full brother of Moonga, it's gonna go huge, boys. This thing's gonna go bang. Mm. Yeah, that's top. Yeah, that's you, a top what, today. What are we thinking? That's a top, I reckon. reckon? One six one. Yeah, mm. I reckon that that one there is going to be the the chart topper today. Is Moonga um, obviously the fantastic galloper running around? I I backed it last week. Oh, um, I think it, it didn't really didn't didn't run in the first two, but um, has, no, I think it did. It ran second. Kenny. It ran second, Kenny, it ran second. It? yeah. And it's and it's got next start written all over it. Mo, like Moonga is it's become like one of Australia's top liners out of the Nisham stable. Um, it, probably worth pointing out as well. There are a few last there's a few last crops going through. So Tavistock, who just had the Derby winner, and I think has had pretty much every Derby winner in the last five years, Singapore, Hong Kong, Aussie, mm. um, um, Victorian. It, it goes real obviously Tavistock to become a powerhouse. Burgundy and also Sacred Falls. So they will be very precious commodities when they come through the ring today, boys. And um, and I have also heard a little birdie, and I don't know if this is an SENZ exclusive. I probably shouldn't be claiming it as, <laughs> but it sounds like Tiako. Along with Mark, ba- uh, not Mark Baker, um, uh, along with their crew, are going to be back in New Zealand buying up large, but also thinking about heading across and setting up a stable in Australia over the next 12 months. So when if they're doing that, they're going to need some serious powerhouse, some serious fireworks. And we know what the New Zealand breads can do over in Australia. So when I said earlier, watch out for David Ellis to be throwing his his uh, cash around in the ring and, you know, the titan of the sales ring. I didn't actually know that, but now I'm really on alert. I'm on DC watch today because I think he might be going big. Mm. Thank you, Louis. Nice little morning for you, mate, at the Cracker Sales. Appreciate all your insights and info. And Dave from Cracker, he agrees with you. He had uh, lot 110, 161 and 460. So there you go. He agrees with 161. I think it'll be, um, well, that's got to go probably as... Top, top sale. 460 is Pura Encanto and Omana, Brown Philly at a little, little Avondale stud. So, look, we'll be interesting to see how it goes. We'll get a little update tomorrow when you're back in the studios holding down the fort with Kempi because Kempi's tired there in Auckland. Been a busy old morning. Cut it out, mate. We never get tired up here. I've had to, I've had to, throw, I've had to throw a couple of left, left, lefts and right into the box next door to me, but a um, couple, couple of black eyes. Those boys, will, they'll, a bit of ice tonight, boys. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, nah. oh, no. What do you? What else you got, Louis? Is that is that your morning done? You're gonna stick around at sales and stay for the day, or are you gonna, you know, go off and I'll probably make cafe, go have a little flat white somewhere? No, no, no. I'll be hanging around. I'm gonna crack, um, cross back into the morning show, and then I'm gonna stay, <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna cross back into the innings break of the cricket as well, because once this, and, and actually, I might even talk to Andrew Bensley across the ditch, because once the selling starts, it obviously goes very, very hot. Um, and again, somebody's been listening, and I've just texted me lot ten. Oh, lot ten boys! Fireworks across the day. So I'll, I'll let everybody know what goes on with there. That first one, I'm excited. There you go, Louis Hill and what he's at the Cracker Sales. He'll keep you updated throughout the morning. Thanks very much, brother. We'll see you on air. We'll hear from you on air tomorrow morning. Thanks very much, bud. Cheers. There we go, Louis Hill and what at the Cracker Sales ten. 
161 Fireworks. He reckons we'll get a wee update throughout the morning. We're going to come back shortly. We've got Kirsty. Kirsty for the morning. She's got an hour and a half shift by herself before we head over and listen to the cricket with Dan McCarty and Garth Galloway. We'll be back shortly. You listen to Baz and Izzy for breakfast.